Long, way outside for the three. He's got it. He's got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 Podcast on Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me today is not only Ishmael Johnson, but we have Justin Carter in from Dave Campbell's uh, Basketball as well. Uh, Justin, how are you doing today? First. Good. Tired. Was on the road for twelve hours yesterday. So where, where were you going? I was on the way back from Iowa. Ah, uh, so yeah, it, that's it. Was exhausting. That's not fun. Uh, that makes my seven-hour drive from Baton Rouge look like nothing. So that's I don't envy you. I don't envy you at all. Um, Ish, how how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. Still in the same location as I was uh, last episode <laughs> we recorded. So. <laughs> Good. Yeah, don't you didn't move. Uh, all right. Well, for those of you who listened to our last podcast, you'll know uh, we did kind of a men's basketball primer uh, to get everybody caught up on what y'all need to know uh, going into conference play, going into the new year, all that good stuff. And so today we're going to be doing the women's basketball side. Um, it's been a very interesting year for the women's basketball uh, side in Texas. In, in Texas, obviously, uh, you got Baylor coaching change. You got uh, Gary Blair in his last year, um, you have uh, North Texas, UTEP and Conference USA and whatnot. So Ish, I'll throw it to you. Uh, you can start us off. Um, I know we talked about like we want to start with what's been the same and what's kind of um, kind of what's been continued from last year. But I'll, I'll throw it to you first. Yeah. So like I said in the last episode, you know, this episode's kind of people who have focused on college football, high school football, or uh, yeah, football basically. And then like now that the season's winding down, they're probably jumping their attention over to basketball. So it's basically what you missed, what's been going on in the non-conference schedule from last year. And so we start off with what's the same. I mean, we can start off with Baylor because it's somewhat the same, but we'll also there's also a lot different with them as well. They're still winning. They're still one of the best teams in the country. Nilissa Smith is probably the best player in the country. Um, that's more or less the same. Now, obviously, things have changed with how they're playing, who's coaching them, obviously. We can talk about that in a little bit. Um, more of the same and a little bit different as well. Uh, a still really good, uh, kind of still getting it done by committee. Again, we'll talk about what's different about that later. Uh, SFA, still more or less the same. Uh, one of the best mid-majors in the country, perhaps not as dominant as they were last year um and yeah it's kind of i guess there's some other more nuanced things with them as well and in, in that we can put in the more the different category but um i think what's the same yesterday with the men's side we kind of talked a lot about what's the same i think there's a lot different with the women's side this uh that i'm kind of more interested in talking about yeah for sure uh justin uh just through the non-conference season, uh, what stood out to you or what are a couple of teams that have caught your eye that um, maybe have gone onto the radar or maybe just are on the radar for you? Um, you know, I think in terms of some teams that have caught my eye, you know, UNT is playing really good. Um, I think um, 
Tarleton is, I think, off to their best start since Misty Wilson took over as head coach. Um, you know, those are two teams that have really caught my eye of, of teams that I that are playing better than I expected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let I want to touch on because I, I told y'all before we started recording. I watched the first half of North Texas versus Baylor last mm-hmm. night, and I think starting with those two teams, because Ish, like you mentioned, Baylor being you know good again. Um, but both those teams have some changes from last year. Like both were good last year. North Texas was in contention for to win the the, uh, the division, um, and Baylor obviously did what Baylor does. But there are some changes with both those teams. Um, for North Texas, they brought in a slew of transfers um, and new faces in their alley gamers um, to to go along with Quincy Noble, and Baylor did a similar thing, right, with the guards, with the backcourt primarily. Um, and I watched both those teams play, and it felt like a very, it felt like a very run of the mill game for both of them. Both of them hadn't played in like ten days. Baylor comes out, just starts shooting threes like nobody's business early on. I'm like, all right, when are they going to finally get the ball in the paint? Finally, Queen Egg will get the bucket. Um, North Texas has been playing a lot faster this year. They started that last year a bit, but this year as well, they're playing really fast. They're not afraid to take some quick shots. Um, they are a good rebounding team as well. North Texas is, and it feels like they have an identity under Jalen Mitchell now. Um, that's that's just what it feels like when when I watch them. Um, so I, I'll go to you, Justin, because uh, let's start with North Texas specifically first, because I could talk about this Baylor team, and Ish and I have talked about this Baylor team for hours already on our podcast on this podcast. Uh, so when it comes to North Texas, do you think that they have a legitimate chance to win the Conference USA, knowing that you know UTEP is still there? I think Old Dominion's good this year as well. I mean, I think I think win is a tough question. I mean, I think they could get hot and win the tournament. Yeah. Um, Old Dominion is going to be tough to beat in terms of like the regular season Conference USA title. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're ten and two right now. They're playing some great basketball, but I mean, UNT's been really interesting to me because it feels like Quincy Noble hasn't been shooting as well as I thought she would, and they're still winning in spite of that too. You know, I think I expected her to take like a huge leap, and she's been good like not necessarily you know as kind of good she's shooting under 40 percent right um i think yeah it's, it's, that, that seems interesting in the, in the sense that they just like, found so many other contributors stay near the top of the conference yeah they feel deep they feel deep at least when, when i watched them um and so i'm interested to see if that depth can can help them carry forward. I mean, you add players like Amber Dixon, Ali Gamez, um, and I, I just I like that along with the supporting cast that they had returning with Madison Townley, um, Jay Z on Jackson as well, and Quincy Noble. So that's that's the team I'm really interested interested in. Um, now looking at Baylor, Ish and I, like I said, have talked about Baylor for a long time on this podcast, and we actually spent like most of like whatever two or three episodes ago on them because. We're trying to figure out just how good they can be in this new style under Nikki Collin. How good do you think this team can be um, within this style? Yeah, I think they can be good, obviously. I mean, they are good. Yes. Um, I don't know if they have the personnel in terms of like depth to make this style work, right? They have some really good players, but they're also a pretty shallow team this year. Um, especially up front, which, I mean, I guess part of why they're having to play this kind of more shooting-oriented style is that 
they have like two traditional bigs on the roster, um, which kind of forces some things. Um, but I, th- I think Baylor can beat most teams. I think there's less room for error than there has been in the past. Um, but I mean, I think it's interesting to me how Baylor is kind of emblematic of like a like a bigger thing this year, where like so many of the top teams look so much different, but they're still the top teams. Um, you know, Baylor's looks nothing like Baylor did last year, but they're still just as good, essentially, as Baylor was last year. Ish, what do you, what do you think? I think. Well, so we're recording this after they, you know, they beat North Texas um, 86-65, like you mentioned. I, I think what that shows and what some of their early struggles show is that I, they're still good enough to beat, to comfortably beat teams that they're like clearly more talented than. Like, I'm not, I don't think this is a team that's going to be at a risk of losing in the first round or even the second round. But I think what we saw against Michigan, what we saw against Maryland, what we kind of saw even against um, uh, Missouri, uh, they won that game, but still is like a team that maybe struggles against teams that can, that they're not way more talented than, right? Like you, you, this is going to be a team, I think that struggles, that struggles a little bit more against uh, teams that, that, that are up to their level, right? We've seen great Baylor teams, especially in recent times where they can really just, you know, defend the hell out of you with their length, with inside, out-rebound you, and then just body you, right? They could beat a team that they maybe are just as talented as by 15-20 if they just because their style kind of warranted that. I don't think we're going to see that this year. Um, I think when we saw them lose to to Michigan and even against Missouri, like it was like, okay, well, is this the team that could stumble? That's why I was interested in seeing that North Texas game. And it was like, okay, well, I don't think this is the team that's going to stumble against a, a, a solid mid-major, right? Mm-hmm. But I do wonder about their kind of ceiling punching towards um, – punching uh, with teams at their level, let's just say. And I think that the Texas State and UTA performances earlier in the year were just kind of shaking off cobwebs as opposed mm-hmm. to kind of indicative of where they are. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I agree with Justin. Like, the, the depth is going to be an issue – um, I think that's a good point that maybe that's why they're playing this way. Cause you know, you don't want queen Egbo out there for 35 minutes a game. Um, as talented as she is, she probably just can't be out there for that long. Um, and so you kind of play basically three bigs and you're just kind of forced to you know, play with a heavy guard rotation. Yeah. Uh, I looked it up. If, if you take out that first game they played against Texas state, they're actually shooting over 34% on the year from three, which is a lot better than the 32.3% they're at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was looking at 32.3%. I was like, that is not going to win you enough games right. and no, 34% is a little better than that. So um, yeah, good. I wanted to get out those two teams because those two teams are kind of interesting in how they've been similar to last year, but different in ways. Um where do, where do you want to go from here? Uh, Ish, do you want to take it to SFA, uh, A&M, uh, and uh, teams let's that talk, are kind let's of... Let's A&M. All right, A&M. Because, you know, Gary Blair's last year, um, and we kind of, in a way, he's getting it done by committee, but by committee in a different way. You know, last year they were very heavy in the post. They had solid guard play, but that wasn't their, um, that wasn't their MO. And this year it's basically the opposite they're getting it done 
by committee from the outside. They're shooting the ball really well. I want to say they're, geez, they're first in three-point percentage. I didn't even realize they were first. Um, 43.5% from three on the year. Um, and yeah, he's added players like Kandasha Hoppy, who obviously was hurt, uh, hurt last year when she, when she uh, and she came in this year and is shooting incredibly well. I was at that SFA game. Um, I kind of want to get Justin's thoughts on, yeah, just kind of how AM's playing in a different way, but still kind of, you know, flashing that that by committee approach that they had last year. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something similar to um, Baylor here in the sense that like they aren't as deep up front, so they're having to rely more on the guards. It's just working better for AM, I think, right? You know, they're they're essentially playing lineups with like four guards in a big a lot of the time. But those four guards, you know, are shooting well, and Kayla Wells can just do everything you could ever want someone to do, um, which helps, you know, playing her at the four works when maybe in theory it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of helped them, you know, maintain these really good numbers and, you know, keep winning games. I mean, they've they had that stumble against TCU that was kind of hard to explain. But, you know, for the most part, Carrie Blair's making do with a situation that shouldn't really be working if you lost arguably your you know, three best players last year. Right. Yeah. That, that TCU game was something. We watched that. That was an interesting uh, game. But I, I think that is – I actually haven't looked at it that way of Baylor and a being in the same position here. And A&M shooting the ball over 43%. Baylor shooting the ball at 32% on the year. Um it, but it obviously the, the the difference there is Baylor has Melissa Smith and Queen Egbo, who they could go to in the post more, but that's just not how they're playing this year. AM doesn't really have that option. I've liked Sydney Roby at times for stretches, but um, you know, they they kind of have to play this way and they're excelling in that in that style. Um, as you mentioned SFA going from AM to SFA. Um, I haven't been able to see much of SFA, so I'll leave it to y'all two. Um, and I know Justin um you can probably speak to it the best out of all of us about uh, SFA, but uh, where do you want to start? Yeah, I want to I want to kind of poke his brain a little bit on that because they're good, right? They're still going to be good. They're still going to compete for the WAC, but you know, coming off of last year's run where they were by far and away, you know, by the numbers on the court, the best mid major in the country, and I'm wondering, you know, are you worried a little bit about them, Justin, or like? Part of, part of me wants to say that's what happens when you replace a, a, a Marissa Banfield, somebody who at the point can initiate and also shoot 40% from three. Um, but also their guard play hasn't been bad uh, without her. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on kind of their relative step back? Yeah, I mean, I think losing Banfield is an issue because I think it, it forces Stephanie Fisher to kind of play more of that kind of like main point guard role where they were kind of handing things off a little more last year. Um, I mean, I'm worried in the sense that before the season, I would have picked this to be a solid, like, sweet 16 team, I think. I think they could have upset a couple teams in the first round, first two rounds. Now I'm, I don't know, the ceiling isn't as high as it was last year. I think it's just a depth concern. I don't think they necessarily have um, the same kind of, I don't know, caliber of bench players they had last year. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the players, you know, aren't 
really performing up to the level I expected from them off the bench. Um, you know, Avery Birdingham, Aliyah Johnson, both just haven't taken a, kind of the leap I maybe thought they would take. Um, but it's still a good team. It's still got, I think, a really, really strong top two duo, right, with um, Vischer and Ayana Johnson. I mean, it's still a team that can beat most teams, but there's, I mean, like with Baylor, there's less margin for error now, right? right? They have to play their absolute best every night against these kind of stronger opponents. Whereas last year, even on off night, this team could beat anyone by 25 or something. Right. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. When I was watching that A&M game, it kind of, granted, they didn't play well in the first half. Um, and so that, I think they just didn't shoot well. They were getting a lot of good shots, but um, and just weren't hitting. But I think as the game went along, I think they're, and again, a and really good as well, but I think that their kind of relative ceiling definitely was a lot more stark in that, in that game when I saw, I was like, okay, this is probably not exactly the team that we were, um, that we got last year, which is fine. Again, you lose, Marissa Banfield was one of the most efficient players in the country last year. I think very underratedly um, playing next to who she plays again, plays next to it's kind of, it kind of hides kind of her production, but I think that's a good point. Um, players like Brianna Mitchell and to Sharon Robinson stepping up into more minutes, you know, instead of playing the bench, it definitely hurts their, hurts their depth. If, if you, more. if you look at it, it's it's kind of interesting. Um, this season's going basically on the same trajectory as the 2019, 2020 season. Um, mm-hmm. Just looking at offensive rating, defense rating, net rating, all that stuff. And last year, obviously just being a complete, in, just an incredible year with, a 109 offensive rating, a 72 defensive rating, um, just with the absurdity of that. And now it feels like, you know, this is a little bit more um, just of what a normal, you know, good, really good mid-major team is. Last year's team was just so incredible um, that they've kind of come a little bit back down to earth. So um, let's, let's go to the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the Big 12 because I think Texas – it's weird. Texas is is an interesting team. We haven't talked about them in, in a couple podcasts because I don't think they've played anybody uh, really. Um, but Justin, where are you at with with Texas and the phenomenon that is Rory Harmon? Yeah, I mean i I've been a big fan of Rory Harmon for a couple of years. So I was excited to see her this year, and she's I think exceeding my expectations. Um, I mean, just she's she doesn't look like a freshman when she's handling the ball. Um, she's bringing this kind of veteran poise to the team. Um, you know, Texas is another team like Baylor and AM that looks a lot different this year on paper, but is still playing up to that high level, right? They lost Charlie, Charlie Collier. Um, two of the freshmen who I thought would be a big kind of parts of this team, Aaliyah Moore and Kendall Hunter have been hurt and missed a lot of the time. And they're still chugging along and, Maybe even the most impressive team in the state so far. I was gonna, I was gonna ask uh, if you, if you had to pick one right now, Texas or Baylor, who you got? I, it's tough because they, like, their strengths are so different, right? Different. Like, I don't know how Texas stops Melissa Smith because the one spot where Texas is kind of piecing things together is up front. Um, 
Uh, there's I just, don't know. There's times, there's times that I agree. I think Melissa Smith's the difference here, but there's times where it just feels like when I watch Baylor, it's like the only thing stopping Melissa Smith is Baylor. It's like the guards taking quick threes and just not giving her the ball at times or her settling for deep threes or her settling for mid-range jumpers at times. Um, that's what it was early in the North Texas game before she got going. Um, I, I, I don't know if I can answer the question. Uh, Ish, do you, do you have a take on, on the question? Someone has to give an answer here. I know. Um, you, you I, right it. now, Jesus. Because I feel, part of me does like, oh, God, this, this, this is hard. Part of me, I think, would lean Baylor still. Um, just because I feel like that's a game where Nikki Collin would just, we mentioned the depth, the shallow depth up, to, up front. Part of me wants to say that's a game where Nikki Collins like, screw it, both Smith and Queen Agbar playing like 35 minutes. You know, like just don't get in foul trouble. Um, if they don't get in foul trouble, I feel like that's a game where they just try to overwhelm them. Because I, I, I think if you play a Caitlin Bickle against Texas for a lot of minutes, that's playing in their hands. Right, spacing the floor, you're kind of like, okay, well, you know, cool. Texas doesn't have the size to compete with that, so that's fine. Um, so at least for me, I don't know, I don't know what you. I feel like she would do that, but uh, yeah, I feel like Baylor right now is still kind of the team that matches Texas fairly well. But with that being said, I feel like every time Baylor has gotten in a game where they've had to shoot a little bit more than to compete, they've been a little bit on the back on the on their back heels. So if Texas can get going, right? We've seen um, Aliyah Matharu take over a game just kind of like a like a microwave. And if she can get going, if Roy Harmon can get in transition, okay, is Baylor a little bit more on the back on the back foot? And anything can kind of happen at that point. So I don't know. I think I, when we look at teams that are different, Texas is definitely the, the, the surprise because obviously they made that tournament run. But you know, as I think Justin mentioned on one of the episodes we did last year. In the regular season, they weren't that impressive outside of Charlie Collier, right? Mm -hmm. It was more like, okay, well, they're relying on this first overall pick in the WNBA draft. What happens when you take her out of there? Okay, well, now it's kind of been like, okay, well, now they're they're the defense is there, the offense is there now that they have some initiators and some shooting. And this is without, you know, Kendall Hunter, who theoretically is somebody off the bench who'd be able to shoot the ball really well. Um, so who knows what this team's gonna be as the season goes along. I don't know when they play, but um, I'm tuned in. I, I honestly, I might take Texas right now. I just feel like the defensive ball pressure could they kind play, of disrupt. Uh, January 9th. January 9th. So there you go. Um, I, I think I'd take Texas right now. I just think the defensive ball pressure can kind of affect the um, the rhythm that Baylor gets in from three. Because when it feels like when Baylor isn't pressured, like North Texas last night, it feels like they're just in a rhythm from three. Mm -hmm. And that's what you really can't let them be in. So, um I think Texas would have a chance there. Um, yeah, that'd be my pick. All right, let's see where you want where I want to go from here. Who's um? Do you I want to talk, right. talk a little bit about uh, Texas Tech. Okay. So we've mentioned because um, partially because Justin's written a lot about them and, I'm, and they've been kind of a fascinating team because one Vivian Gray's hasn't really been healthy and they're still pretty good. Um, and they were also one of the teams that in the offseason brought in some interesting talent. We mentioned Riley McKinney. We've mentioned Lexi Hightower uh, from D2, uh, West Texas A&M. And, you know, Vivian Gray's only played three games. She made two starts. One of them, they kind of needed her to, to, to win. Um, I think that was the game against Lamar. But for the most part, you know, Riley McKinney's been 
really good. Bryn Gerlich, I think, was somebody that I didn't expect to be a big player for them, and she's been really good as an initiator. Um, when we talk about teams that are different, they look really different, and they're also playing like a team that's kind of starting to get – had an offseason under, under Krista Gerlich, right? Last year they didn't really have an offseason um, with her coming in so quickly. Uh, Justin, what, do you, what have been your thoughts on Tech so far? Yeah, I mean, I think Texas has been playing like a good, solid, um, mid-tier Power 5 school, right? They have lost to some really good teams. They lost to Old Dominion, Georgia, Old Miss, and LSU, who I think all are tournament teams. Um, they've beat everybody else. Um, you know, they've had some nights where they've gotten hot from, you know, three – they're 25th in the country in field goal percentage. You know, they're a good offensive team, a good rebounding team. Um, I think without Vivian Gray healthy, they kind of are missing that, like, difference maker against some of these, like, really good teams that could put them, you know, in contention to upset a top school. Um, so hopefully they get Vivian Gray back. But they have all the pieces right now to be, you know, a pretty good basketball team provided they get their best player back yeah. for conference play. If Gray, if Gray comes back, I I'm not I'm interested. I um and I watched her play. She played against Georgia and I watched that game against Georgia and they actually kept it close. It was close to that final score. Um to me. I wasn't able to watch them play LSU. That game was on flow hoops, which is not able to be watched without like $13. But um I mean, they start off conference play uh, with OU, and then they get Texas. After that, I'm I'm just worried that they're going to fall into a real mid, like five, six, seven range in the Big Twelve. I I'm not sure. I don't think, and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't watched like West Virginia or whatnot. I just don't know how much separates that range of like Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Kansas State, Kansas, Oklahoma. Um, so is that like that group that they're going to fall in most likely? I, th- I think so. I was going to say uh, one, one player that I completely forgot about that is starting to play again is Brian Scott. Yes. Um, she came back. She played her first game of the season on the 20th and played 14 minutes. And then she played against LSU 21 minutes, uh, 12 points, four assists. So, if she's some, she's somebody who we thought, you know, was coming in from, I believe, Little Rock. Um, yes. And she had the potential to be kind of that 1B, one, uh, 1B or number two to Vivian Gray. If she can get back up to her all-conference caliber scoring self, um, you know, again, the Big 12 is another animal. But I do kind of wonder if, if she's able to maybe paper over some of the cracks until Vivian Gray gets back as well to kind of contribute to that by committee role and maybe elevate them to the top of that middle 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 pack because i do still think that they're very much outside of the top three in the big 12 but i think that four or five range is kind of up for grabs i don't know yeah. if you agree with that justin i mean i i, I think they could be five six i don't know I, I feel like west virginia is still kind of that solid fourth team in the big 12 but um is that Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, TCU range? I think they can beat those teams if they're playing you know, at full strength. Right. Um, 
one team that we've been really high on uh, just throughout this year, all, mostly because of their results, uh, is UTA, UT Arlington. Um, I say they're the balance they have in, in the starting five is incredible. Um, you know, you throw Katie Farrell in there, you throw um, Star, um, Star Jacobs in there. Uh, what, what have you thought about UTA? And do you think they have, you know, or where, where do you place them in the Sun Belt and just how they can fare in conference? Yeah, I mean, I think UTA has been really impressive to watch. I think, you know, it's hard to look at kind of how things have gone so far in, like, non-commerce and say that, like, Troy's having a down year or something. But Troy's already lost five games. I always think of Troy as, like, you know, the Sun Belt team to beat. Um, but maybe this year UTA has a chance. They've, they played Baylor tough. Um, you know, Star Jacobs has been... You know, the best scorer they've had maybe ever. Um, I don't know how far back I'd have to look to find someone who's scoring as well as her. I know um, at least on her hoop stats, I, as far back as they go, I can't find a better score than Star Jacobs for the team. I, was, I mean, this is a team that I thought would be good, but they're, I think, better than I thought now. That's 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 a team I'm, I'm excited for once once conference uh, play starts. Definitely a team that is playing a little different. Um, for me, I'm, I'm curious about that because we were kind of high on Texas State until they've kind of altered a little bit, um, especially after that. Yeah, I mean, of course, we, we talked about that opener against Baylor and things like that. Um, and I think since then, I mean, let me see, one, two, three, five-game losing streak. Um, and we kind of talked, I think at the beginning of the year, we kind of talked with them and UTA in kind of tandem. UTA is definitely kind of, at the very least, held relatively steady. Um, of course, they have a loss to Oklahoma State and Kansas City, but they have a win over South Florida, right? They have a win over um, Rice, which, you know, we'll see what Rice is under their new head coach. But uh, North Texas, Houston, they have solid wins under their belt, and they have a distinct, a pretty distinct um, uh, identity with being a pretty solid offensive team that doesn't turn the ball over, um, shares the ball really, really well. I think they're top. 50-ish in assists per game and assist rate. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely just, I'm, de I'm definitely curious to see if this is a quote unquote down Troy year or if they're just kind of, you know, shaking off cobwebs of a non-conference year. Cause I mentioned it with Krista Gerlich, right? This is kind of her first real off season. Also the same for Sharika Wright at UTA. And so um, if this is kind of the identity of them under her, I'm really fascinated to see. Um. Two other teams I want to get to, and then I have a little speed round game at the end. Um, UTEP and ACU. I haven't watched um, ACU play specifically, but uh, real quick, Justin, uh, UTEP and ACU, are they serious competitors in their conferences? Uh, where do you put them at the moment? I, I, you know, I think UTEP is. Um, you know, they have a talented team. Um, I think they were already picked to be second or third in that conference, right, or something. Yeah, they were, they were picked to win the division. That's that's all I know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're playing about as I expected for the most part. Um, Abilene Christian, I I just never know what to think of that team in non-conference play. Um, they don't play the toughest non-conference schedule ever. They have a lot of you know wins over non-division one opponents every year. And I really don't think I can ever get a read on the Wildcats until conference play starts. Like they're eight and three, but I don't know. Point, you know, yeah. I just 
yeah so um so we have five teams i think we have five teams left or well five kind of mid to high major teams left and i have all five of these teams as kind of underachieving to this point or just not playing at the highest level like we didn't have high expectations for rice coming in and you know they're kind of playing to that level um tcu kind of a similar type thing even though they did beat a&m so five teams are smu tcu houston rice texas state all right those five teams which of those teams do you think can pick it up in conference play and will have better conference plays than non-conference these plays like of if of those five if you had to pick sorry smu tcu smu tcu houston rice texas state i think houston's the team of those with like the highest ceiling in her conference play yes um by a lot i mean rice i haven't really watched much conference usa this year but rice is playing fine i mean they obviously losing anti mulkey yeah and also your whole back cart court to smu um i mean puts them in a interesting spot um smu is a team that i feel like sometimes when i watch them i'm like wow this is a pretty solid team and then other times i watch them and you know they get blown out um where they lose, they can either lose by 26 in North Texas or beat Oral Roberts by 37. That was, that was such a weird game. Then we got TCU and Texas State. Texas State, like, like I said, lost five in a row. TCU beat AM, but I'm still not 100% sure just how good they are. Yeah, I'm not sold on TCU being, I mean, they're, they're, they're fine. They're, I think, maybe a little bit below those kind of mid tier, like 12 teams we talked about. Um, you know, Lauren Hurd is great, but she's the only player who's really doing a lot offensively. You know, they're getting okay production from like Yummy Morris and all that, but I don't, I don't think their ceiling is super high. And then um, Texas State, I don't, I don't know. I was high on this team at what before the season, and um, yeah. it's just kind of fallen apart lately. I, I want to hope they can kind of right the ship in conference play, but lost three of those five games in a row by double digits, two of them by at least 20. It's, it's not looking good for, for Ish's team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, Ish, how, how would you kind of rank, rank those five? Or which one, which one are you, I guess, or which ones are you most confident in picking it up? Definitely Houston. Um, definitely Houston is the most confident. Um, one, because they were obviously, they have the kind of pedigree that we, from last year that we expected to, you know, the fact they've been kind of on a, da- uh, a underperforming slump to start the season but i think they 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 offensive rebound the ball really well they get steals they get turnovers they don't turn the ball that uh, over that much themselves i think that's something that'll stabilize when conference play starts um yeah i don't know i i gotta piggyback off texas state though that offensively they're not they're not shooting very well they're not rebounding the ball really well at all um and if Kennedy Taylor's not setting something up, it feels like nothing's really happening on offense. And I think that's a huge problem, especially when you have somebody like a Denasia Hood who can be a good scorer, but you know needs kind of a little bit of help to set up. Um, TCU, I, I, I think we mentioned it a little bit. I think if there was any program in the state that kind of got screwed over most by COVID, it was TCU because that was that that year was such a senior heavy team that that was kind of their year to make some noise. And now they're kind of having to do 
a rapid rebuild in two years. So unfortunately, I don't see it happening for them this year with just Lauren Hurd. Um, SMU is intriguing, but they don't shoot the ball well at all, like really at all well. And I, I don't know if that's just something that'll kind of happen as the team gels together or, or what, but um, they're probably, they might be second in terms of teams I'm interested in um, just because they put so many new pieces together, obviously last year, not having played really at all new coach force, but I think Houston's number one for me in that regard. We got anything else here? Uh, we can do, um, uh, do you want to do MVP and, uh, and newcomer? MVP, I mean, it's the same for me. It's Rory Harmon. I think MVP and newcomer, I think. No, Alyssa Smith? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a pretty easy pick, obviously, because how much she relies. Yeah. Um, I, I thought Rory Harmon, too, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. Justin, what do you think on MVP or and or newcomer? I mean, I, I think MVP is a toss-up between Smith and Harmon. Um, for newcomer, I mean, obviously – it's Rory Harmon, but if you want to have a kind of a second name in there, it's um, Ali Matharu. Oh, she's, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's been great. Given Texas that scoring spark they really need. Yep, for sure. All right, uh, Justin, thanks for joining us. Uh, we always enjoy these conversations to, to get to know the state better. But um, if y'all listening to this on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and review. If it was on Spotify, feel free to share it with a friend. To follow us on Twitter at DCT Basketball. And yeah, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to y'all later.